enter our world, Poncho. Our weird, crazy world of history and crime. And crazy dubstep sounds by <laughs> Sean the Sound Man who likes to go crazy with his shit. See what I mean, Steve? This is what Sean's all about. Yeah. Like, Sean likes that way out electronic shit. Yep. Poncho, do you get down with that way out electronic shit? Anything with rhythm, man. Yeah, I can, I can find a frequency in that. Pull that right to your mouth. Pull that right to your mouth. And tell these knuckleheads to quit opening up the fucking door. They're going to fucking lose something. Trying to be crazy. Just pull it right up in there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Wait, so you, you, do you listen to any of it? Like, listen to this. Listen, Sean, play this. Poncho's a man of style. Look at this man. Are you going to listen to this, Poncho? I might play it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? I, I, I might play it. I might not stick with it, but I definitely <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> you know what? Poncho's a diplomat. I know he's a diplomat. <laughs> this man runs between lots of different groups. I could tell that. Yeah. And he basically, that was a no. He's yeah. like, I'll play it. I ain't going to stick with it. All right, let's get back on our hard luck general. Yeah, what are you doing, dude? That's a good enough with all that. That's a master class of crazy electronic right. sound. That was great. You Thank know you. what? That sounds like Mozart to him. Dig it, I could tell. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's like, this give guy. it a shot. Don't, don't, don't turn it off yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's I because it. Sean is part machine. Mm, he's part, sure he's part machine, that. man. He's got like electrodes under his nipples or something. I don't know what he's doing, dude. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? <laughs> You're part you machine, ready, man. I'm ready. Let's go. Are you? You got, right. your, you got your mouth full or what? Nope, you want me to I'm wait ready. until you're done? Come on, ready. dude. I said I'm ready. Did I stutter? <laughs> yeah. Born ready. Yeah. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm a certified, qualified host. Lucky Luciano. Want to welcome everybody, my listeners here. A beautiful afternoon, Saturday, Santa Monica, California. On my right, my co-host is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, elegant barbarian, Southern Californian. Here to rip it up again. Look at that's my people. Right yeah. There. Come on. Woo. Come on. We're going to get tribal today. Yeah. Let's get tribal. Let's just like burn this shit down and get weird and ah. tribal and savage up Scout in Scout some people. Hell yeah. 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 Let's take it apart. And on my left, my sound engineer. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional engineer for the Hard Luck Show. Yes. People like I got Sean. the two best partners in the whole world, man. Yes, indeed. I tell yes, you, indeed. the Indian old blue eyes. <laughs> Red man mm-hmm. and blue eyes. Red man and blue eyes. That's it, baby. Red and blue. Man, Unless it's, it's flashing. That's right. Unless it's flashing behind you. It is gorgeous outside. It's nice. It's just beautiful, man. This is why people move to Southern California. Yeah, sure. What you see outside is why people come down here. Yep. Right? Exactly. 
It's October. It's October. And it's beautiful. Great, beautiful. great time of year. Beautiful by the ocean, right? It's not sleet. There's not hail. There's not rain. There's no snow, right? Yeah. We got our friends and guests coming up, riding up. All the way from where did our what are what is our today's guest come from today? Today's guest is coming is originally raining out of the west side of LA, but he's currently located in Las Vegas. Took a drive out specifically to come be on the show. Very, very old and dear friend. Not old, I should say very a long, long, long time friend of mine, dear friend of mine. Um that grew up, literally grew up with this cat right my good friend my old friend my dear friend let's welcome mr certified poncho to our seat today man came in coming from vegas yeah 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 came in from vegas yeah (laughs) what's happening man man everything is uh outstanding outstanding i first want to say thank you man because uh you know, I, I, I've i been wanting to get you on the show since we started. And, um, you know, you come out here sometimes and you come out here and you come out just to, to kick it, yeah. just to, to, to hang out. You'll come out f- to have dinner. Just to have dinner. Yeah. And uh, I knew that me inviting you out, that it, you would just hit me with uh, what time and where. And, <laughs> and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that, oh, man. man. Like you, you And you bro. do it no sweat. You don't nah. complain about it. You don't make a big deal about it. You just show up when and how, and I really appreciate that, oh, man. man I know how yeah. busy you are. I know what you got going on in your life yeah, and sir. how much you do for people. And, uh, and you know what, bro? When I was me and Chumahan were talking about you, I was ex- I was kind of breaking down. I had talked to you about I had talked to Chumahan about you on a few things when we were talking about some other projects that right. me and you were talking about. But as we were getting closer to the show, I was explaining to Chumon, and he really, the word that came out, Chumon, he goes, man, he sounds like a true renaissance man. <laughs> That's the term that you use. That is what I use, and in, it was in relation to the fact that it seemed like Poncho had his fingers in so many different pies and, and styles and arts or whatever that uh, that's the only the term you could use for a guy like that. This gentleman's life journey. Let me just tell you, he's going to tell you. But there's not, there's not, there. I don't have a lot of friends that live in lots of worlds, kind of like myself. I have a few friends that have really been able to, like you said, put their hands in different pies. Yeah. And really, like in this gentleman's journey. Um, which began a long time ago, our journeys began at the same time, has taken him all over the world and into many different things, and he is truly a renaissance man. He's let, just... let, let, let's, I mean, first of all, let's let's just get real for a second. Let me describe Connor because we don't do video here, right. so let me just describe what's going on. So Poncho, his name <laughs> is Poncho, yeah. right? But he's an African-American man. He's got a, a flip-back cap on that says Black Flies, He's got like a, a strong, I mean, it looked like a Viking beard a little bit. It's got a little touch of silver, yeah. just a touch of silver. But then look at that smile, right? Yeah, Is that yeah, not yeah, like yeah. he's got a beautiful <laughs> smile and crinkling eyes that they kind of glisten a little bit. There's a kind of an innocence in the face. Yeah, yeah right? I love it. But that innocence... Is it, it's contradicted 
But put up your hands there. It's contradicted by these. I mean, dude, I thought he had brass knuckles, but it's just rings. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, just rings. All right. A ring on he's, each finger. He's got a ring on each finger. And when I say ring, okay, we ain't talking about no little fucking little band wedding gold. band. <laughs> no, these are big ass. Each one looks like they weigh about a 16 ounces his, of full hands, solid metal. His hands look like a general's chest. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Well said, right. sir. Well, well said. Well said. Well well said. <laughs> Absolutely. He's got a, and then he's got a toothpick in his mouth. He rolls. Is that your thing, man? You roll with a toothpick? Hey, you never know. You, you have... got to clean it up, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, and we just know something's that's... about to happen when this guy shows up. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what you do know. Right. You ever roll on them cinnamon toothpicks? Yeah. That's yeah. What I was about to ask. Oh, those are great. Yeah. I love, love that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, and, and so that's what, so when we say poncho, Right? How many different names you got? Because everybody Steve knows has about twelve different names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got I a mean, bunch I, of them. Yeah. He's got a few of them. I knew, I knew Poncho. I think, I think I knew Poncho. You know, prior to really the the Poncho. You know, by his his what I believe to be his real name. Yeah, Nathan. That's which, his government name. Which yeah. he, Nathan knows me as well as Steven. Because really, our monikers—we knew each other even pre-monikers. Yeah, you know, as <laughs> kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. How so, old would that have been? In our teens. Yeah. Had to be fifteen. Well, wait, okay, listen. Yeah. 15, Everybody 16. knows Steve right now as the glamorous, you yeah. know, kind of Mr. Luciano who shows yeah. up with his tattoos and his Italian style, and then he's got a big tittied woman on each <laughs> arm and all that kind of <laughs> bullshit, right? But what was Steve like way back then? Take us back. What was he really like? Uh, for us, he was the same way. He was the guy that was going to come around making sure everybody was okay. You know, he's, he's taller than all of us. Most of us were shorter than him. We got a few homies his height. But, uh, you know, he, he, he looked out for everybody. He was just a solid brother. You yeah? Know? Yeah. He, it wasn't and it, for, all, for all of us, we didn't change much. You know what I mean? The account goes up and down. The, the address changes. But you should be who you are and remain the same throughout whatever's going on in your life. Uh, for sure, uh, that's the way, um, you know, Lux represented his stuff. Right. Was, yeah. he, was, he, was he called Lucky back then, or was he called Linguini? <laughs> no, nah, he was always lucky. <laughs> yeah. he was, oh, trust yeah. me, he was always lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. What yeah, was yeah. Poncho like? A poncho was... Because you showed me well, that photograph. Uh, right. Uh, let me first off say... That and and punch, you're gonna you're gonna we're we're gonna talk about this because here's the thing, man. You know, real real culture in uh, in and I'm not gonna just limit it to the only the West Side. A lot of things started out here, but the West Side and, and Hollywood and L.A. culture in the '80s and when we were growing up, man, we were you know I I met I believe I met I met you. I think really like at Moody's three two one yeah. time what? era, yeah. which was a club. It was a nightclub in Santa Monica, and this is like early tenth grade of high school. And you know there was the Odyssey in Los Angeles, and they were letting people in under age. And there was three two one or Moody's in Santa Monica, and you had young kids getting into nightclubs that were either eighteen or twenty one and up sneaking in. Hold on, hold on. So, so, so. You were like in tenth grade or eleventh grade sneaking in the nightclub? Ninth and tenth grade. And you too, right, Poncho? All right. How does a guy cause Sean, I mean, 
I've never been able to get in a nightclub no, underage. And somehow I they know from like me just down the street. They're like, yeah, that guy's not getting in. <laughs> How come you guys were able to get in? Because we both had mustaches at that age. <laughs> 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 the places had been corrupted already. Yeah, they been, no. yeah that's what it was. it was. They were just corrupt places. They it wouldn't was, even check your ID? It was early 80s. Nah. No, Would you guys no. slip them a little weed or what? Whatever you, you had to do or the back door. You know, 20 bucks to get things would happen, you know? Right. right. They we didn't have like the ABC or these they weren't coming down. These were... They were letting kids in with straight adults, bro. <laughs> mm -hmm. Drinking that just drugs. sounds wrong, but all right, that were sounds you, like fun. Were you, once you were in, were you able to just go up to the bar and order a drink? Yes, yeah, that's crazy. Now I heard. So wait a second. Let me ask you, Poncho. Mm. Can Steve dance? Yeah. Have no you seen shit. him dance? Yeah. No shit. Steve, you can dance? I dance a little bit. Oh, What's, okay. I am nowhere wow. near at the level these guys are. Poncho, but I, can I heard Poncho could dance like a motherfucker. Dude, yeah, you, I had, I you had, heard it better had, than that. I had rhythm. Oh, <laughs> dude, dude, yeah. Everybody would tell you. Everybody that I grew up with would tell you. If you said Poncho, you said Nathan. Yeah. And you asked him about dancing. There's probably two guys in Los Angeles that could dance. This gentleman <laughs> is one of those guys. Were you I would be an break dancer. Yeah, we. You know, we did a little bit of everything back then. Uh, but I came from a family, you know, real musical family, a lot of culture, um, and I was exposed to a lot of different cultures. So uh, for us, you know, music is the one thing that'll bring communities and people who ain't got nothing up in spirits, right? Yeah. So music is playing all the time. You, you're a kid, you're dancing, entertaining. And uh, the funny thing is, every phase of my life that has come up, someone's like, hey, you used to be a dancer. You're supposed to be a... Uh, you know, you're supposed to be this hard guy. And I always say, I never said I was hard, I said it was tough. So we danced, we had a great time, and then we did whatever we had to do <laughs> other places. And, right, right, right. right. Well, wait, 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 what's the difference between tough and hard? You just made a distinction. Um, a hard guy is hard through and through. What does that mean? Um, his heart is hard, soul is hard, he's stone. It's like the difference between a killer and a murderer. So uh, a hardened guy is not going to break for nothing. A tough guy is someone who's got a good, warm inside, but is toughened, calloused his skin. It's like when you work out, you know, you first start on something, your hands may be soft, they get, they get tough. They're not hard. The knuckle is hard. It'll break. So I'm not going to break. I'm going to mold to my situation. Like Bruce Lee. But I'm strong, yeah, and hit the king of cha-cha, right? Exactly, <laughs> that's right. The cha-cha king, yeah. In yeah. case you guys are wondering what that metallic sound was, as Poncho was telling us, to his explaining it, he was hitting his thermos, which is an old-school thermos. Coleman. Right? Yeah. Coleman Green. that you screw on, and he was yeah. hitting his rings against that. And for some of you guys that are like Gen Z that are listening right now, back in the day, dudes used to go around with a metal tube full of hot coffee or soup. Mm -hmm. That's called uh -huh. a thermos. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man shit. That's yeah. a man shit, yeah. right? Yeah. And let me tell you something. When he's talking about dancing, now, and I'm going to give you a little, an idea on how you can relate this to what's going on. Yeah. You remember like in maybe Saturday Night Fever or Grease, like two people start dancing and the whole yeah. room clears. Oh, right. up. That's what would have happened, bro, if with just this guy dancing by himself or <laughs> oh, with shit. another buddy. Yeah. They'd start dancing and the whole a whole circle would form. And we're not 
This I gotta tell you, he might know how to break dance. I'm not talking about break dancing. This what are you is not talking break about? Dancing. Yeah, what was he doing? I'm talking about grooving, man. I'm talking about I'm, what I'm talking about is not break dancing. Right. Huh. Okay. And and everybody, it, people would be at the club waiting for these dudes, yeah. for him and his buddy to kick off and, and dance. And as soon as they would, everybody would be like in amazement and get out of the way. That's amazing. These hey. dudes are such good dancers. Bro. So what? I tried to steal every move <laughs> I could, bro. Because <laughs> if you could do ten percent of what they did in right. another area, everybody be blown away with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They think you're great. And the Dude. chicks dug it. Well, oh, did yeah. you have a dance crew? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we had dance crews. You know, I moved from the East Coast to the West, and so the East had one style of dancing. Which West, is what? what? What's the difference between East and West dancing? It, it just uh, different rhythms, a different, uh, in some areas, it's, you know, a tighter, tighter routines. In other areas, it was a lot flu more fluid. So depending on your neighborhoods and where you grew up and who you grew up around. So for me, when I came out, you know, uh, I just linked up with guys in my school and we would, you know, do the school dance thing. And then when it came to going out to clubs, uh, I didn't drink or do drugs or anything back then. Hmm. So uh, even though everyone else was drinking, I went straight to hanging out and then eventually dancing and then stop. And then, you know, man. whoever I was with, I would, you know, pull up on a girl or whatever. So, yeah. uh, we'll get to the yeah, girls yeah. in a second. Because yeah. a man that can dance like what Lux said. Yeah. Like if you're clearing out rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people are oh, watching yeah. a man move his hips. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Girls are lying. It's a rap, bro. Uh, <laughs> it's a rap with the girl. Girls are punching <laughs> right, each other. That's the truth, bro. It's the truth. It is. If you can sing or dance, it's a rap. Every girl, every woman, right, right now... Mrs. Earbud, you're listening to this, and you got your man next to you, and he's looking kind of lumpy and frumpy, <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and you're reassuring him right now. Yeah. You're like, nah, nah, babe, I love you, I love you. But every woman knows. They want a man that when the music comes on and she looks at him, he doesn't go, oh, I don't dance. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. Everyone wants a guy that jumps up first and grabs her and drags her ass out there. Yeah. So what was your style? When you were coming to club, you're you exposing a lot of game right now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you're really giving up a lot of game right now. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So when you walk into, like when you walk into like a, uh, like when you walk into Moody's. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> you walk up into one of these things. Now you know you're about to drop the atom bomb. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, he did. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got his so back pocket. Tell me what your strategy, like, what did you do? Would you, like, did you play it humble and then slowly move, like, one leg? <laughs> <laughs> what was your thing, man? What did you do? <laughs> well, you this know, dude. I didn't put a lot of thought into it when I was young, but I, I think... Like anyone, you're not just going to come in and just move people out of the way. So you move with the crowd. And we were trendy dancing. So whatever was in style at that time, that's what we did. Now, we had our own things that we did and our own dances. And, um, you know, at the same time, one of the cultures that was influencing us the most, you know, we were coming. Because, again, I wasn't the typical guy. So it wasn't no Air Force Ones was for playing sports and gym class or whatever so i'm going to be in wing to even then we dress like or we dressed like old gangsters wing tips you know but when doc came doc martin came out with the cushion soul so now you could dance better you're not slipping and sliding in your grandpa's shoes you know what i mean <laughs> you got docs on so you know you're doing your thing but it, again it was fun it was trendy and it was easy 
because the music was great too. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like we had to stretch at it. It was just great music was on. The DJs were playing good music. We were in the club. We shouldn't have been in as kids, and we were having fun. Ta- well, can you hold take, on, hold take on, me there? Oh, hold go on ahead, one go second. Ahead. How much, because you said, you, how much work did you put in off the scene practicing? Six music? hours. Anything I've done is six hours a day in, a, in a wardrobe mirror. Okay. Six right. hours a day. I, I respect and love that. So listen, yeah. Mrs. Headphones, when you're looking at Mr. Headphones <laughs> and he's frumpy and you're sharing, <laughs> just know the reason why he ain't getting up and he can't move, he can't, he could dance, right? You got to put in the work. Got to put you, if he was spending six hours in a wardrobe mirror, fucking, <laughs> but you could, so that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what were you going to ask? I was going to say, take me there. What, what music were you hearing in the club? Oh, man. Back then, um, but er- like I said, 80s was everything. So you'd, you'd yeah. have. Was it like New Wave? Yeah, you'd, you'd have, have New Wave. You'd, you'd have, have that. Funk. You'd have, yep. you know, it was pre really the label of hip hop, but you had uh, hip hop, funk, Madonna old school. Shit. Now we were coming off of being mods. So, you know, uh, soul was big for us. Soul yeah. music. And I grew, you know, I'm a kid of the 60s, mm-hmm. parents, musicians. So soul music was was really huge for us. And then I had a, a huge Latin influence um, in, in culture and family. Where did that so, come from? Um, it, it, Puerto Rico and Cuba, you know, Puerto Rican and Cuban music, but at the same time with my neighbors, it, I could be listening to merengue, mm. you know, anything. Do you have any so, relatives that are Latin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you got some Latin influence <laughs> from some relatives. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got. I mean, my my name is uh, my father's name. My father's Nathan Poncho Scott. So this isn't just like I just didn't get. I was little Ponch, but you know, eventually I wasn't so little. So I just took on a full moniker of Poncho. But uh, as a kid, yeah, you know, we had family members, people married into our family. So I have a diverse, multicultural family. And what what happened was at the same time that I was a knucklehead, like Luck said, I could dance. So I uh, I used it to get me out of situations, you know, living in the United States, but traveling seven to eight months out of the year on the road. How so? so? Dancing. For who? All kinds of people, man. You who know. did you dance for? A lot. Of, a lot of different Don't artists. Don't be humble. Oh, this ain't the place on. to be humble. Well, come on. Well, who did you, da- who did well, you here, dance for? No, it's not so much humble. It's like uh, what I tell people when they ask me about my past is like, you know, for me, that's like elementary school. And I'm I'm a professor now, you know what I mean. So <laughs> I'm in my fifties. So, but, but I did a lot of videos. I did a lot of uh, moving around and. Um, but 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 understand. Yeah. You understand. Yeah. You might be the professor. Yeah. But we're still in elementary <laughs> with you. So we're trying to get out of elementary. So we got. I got go it. Through. I got it. Hey. So, so wait, wait. What does this ring a bell? No, that's you. <laughs> but it does ring a bell. <laughs> what about this? Yeah, yeah, Young MC, yeah. What? Yeah, Marvin, yeah. Did yeah, you yeah. did you go on tour with Young yeah. MC? Yeah, absolutely. Did you dance in the on stage with Young MC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you? Yeah. That, what's that like? Um, That's a good song, right? Am I wrong? It was a good song. No, it was a great song. Marvin was a good cat. I knew him before. Uh, you know, we were doing clubs, so uh, he was a cool cat. He was he was a. Uh, Humble, really humble guy. Was so he? he'd be there to perform and be waiting in line. You'd be like, "Look, man, 
you're performing tonight. Like, you know, come to the front and get in. He was just a real cool cat. Um, and the clubs, again, this is, you know, much fast forwarding past the kids stuff. The clubs back then were still diverse. So right. we had uh, hip hop and reggae room mm -hmm. and in a house room. Right. And they were separated by plexiglass that we brought in every night, every Friday to put up. So these underground clubs and these different uh, clubs, it's the same thing that the guys were, you know, they were waiting for uh, their turn, their, their spotlight. So young Marvin was a great guy. Um, What's it like to dance in, 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 on tour? Like, what, what, take us through, like, just real quickly, like, yeah. the life. Like, what is it? Like, do you s sleep late? Do you get up early? Were you eating blackberries back then and trying to have you a per diem? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> we made a lot of money. We made a lot of bread. Mm. We got paid really well. Um, we kind of changed how they treated dancers back then. How so? You know, uh, for one, I wasn't the average guy, so what you couldn't, you know, I, I had... Again, I had a different side to me, which was you're not going to just treat me any kind of way because I could hustle in the street and make money. So um, the guy who I toured with, Young MC, uh, we were on the phone last night at 1030. Uh, we're still business partners and friends. We were so broke back then when we started with Young, we used to split chicken sandwiches. We cut them in half um, at Burger King, he'd eat one half, I eat the other. And to this day, I still cut my sandwiches in half, so I remember where I come from. But me and that man have made a lot of money. We've seen the world together, and we're good friends. Uh, so back then, you know, you, you would do a couple of local shows. The person would say, hey, you want to go on tour with me? If they were just starting out, you would, because before Marvin, it was Ice-T. Ice was the first person I actually danced for. I would go wow. out and pop and lock for iced tea, wow. wear a prison shirt and all this shit. So the first tour I ever did was with uh, Ice-T, Rodney O, Joe Cooley, King T. Um, <laughs> oh, shit, that's all his idol. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was all the T's. <laughs> and it was a school bus <laughs> and, and a couple of cars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, there's um, you know, a humility to being around all these street cats that were entertainers. And you're just, you know, we were pre-Rhyme Syndicate, we were just ISIS crew. Right. And Rhyme Syndicate was created. And then um, uh, Everlast was his first artist. And Everlast was the, the artist that I was assigned to do a show with and with, with another brother, Jason Sugars, before I went on to do my things with Young MC and Kevin Columbus. So we were businessmen, though. Right. We knew what we wanted. By the time we got done with Ice, he, he'd really, you know, I called, said, hey, I got to go on, a, this, on the road with this guy because I need to make some money. Do you mind? He was like, no, nah, go do your thing. But this is what you should ask for. So we started off with small per diems, but eventually our per diems were so big, we didn't even cash our checks. So we were on the road just on per diems. And it's wild. You know, you, you again, you got to rehearse. You got to have routines. But at the end of the day, you're on the tour bus most of the time, you know, and the dopest, most respected story of of my touring days with all the broads and all the cities and states and countries was our tour bus broke down. And it was this beautiful brown tour bus and this guy standing next to it, you know, Lee jeans, cowboy boots, T-shirt. Um, and... Uh, a guy comes back around the corner and says, hey, you guys go on this bus and see what you think. So this company had a bunch of coaches, tour buses, 
And they said, well, uh, the owner of this bus has been gracious enough to let you guys use it. And it was Willie Nelson's personal tour bus. Nice. And that, wow. that's, that was just dope, right? That's dope. <laughs> and so then you guys were on the road we, again. Yeah, we were on the road <laughs> with his uh, bus driver, who was one of the coolest cats. Oh, he had to have been. You know, Dude, man. Will, it was, Willie Nelson, yeah. whether you love country or not, that's the man. He's, now, he's the man. Now, he's let the me, man. let me, now, now, now I'm going to take, I'm going to do what I got to do here. Yeah, what do, do your thing, do? Let's do it. I have to lay out the stage and um, I have to lay out what's going on here because okay guys first off have you ever kind of known a guy or had a friend that was in the mix but somehow he was always a little bit sharper than everybody so he was always in the mix he was always there but he's always kind of like above it in a way. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and when the shit, he always just come out with his shirt clean. You get what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But he was legit as you could be, but just a little bit smarter than everybody. Right. Okay. So that's one thing I want you to keep in mind. But I also want you to keep in mind that when I'm saying that we were young and that Poncho was young and a lot had happened before all this dancing. Right. And I also want to say that this dude's view and the way he comes at the world is 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 larger. Like he wasn't gonna get consumed with something small that's in front of him. Right. He always had his eyes on a much broader, he thought in broad terms. And sometimes you'd see him around, and sometimes he just you don't know where he would be. And then, boom, he'd drop right back into the center of everything. And then you might be gone, and you not see that guy for a year. And it, but he could come That's and go. That's how you maintain that mystique. Dude, I'm mm -hmm. telling you. Not that Okay, so now I got to keep some shit real, man. Do this it. show's real. Do it. And my man had to do a lot because, you know, early on, Nathan and a few friends came from a part of town, and they kind of had like a little social scene. What part of town? Uh, maybe you could you could say kind of like if you were to call it maybe like kind of like let's say uh, everything from say like uh, uh, Inglewood to the West Side to Ladera Heights to Fox Hills to. Right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of you're area. absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. There was there was there was a small group of guys and they started like a little maybe call it a social club. Got social a social okay. club. No, no, a social club. <laughs> with a, a twinkle with a twinkle in the eye. Right. And right. and it, it and it kind of ramped up into something larger than that at kind of a quick pace. And it kind of maybe lost, I don't know if if I would be all right to say that, maybe it lost, maybe it's original kind of what it was, and it kind of turned into something much larger. Wait, wait, something so what's 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 luck talking about? Poncho? So first, you, first, let me give a, a, a education on social club because when most people hear the word social club, they think I don't know what girls or something. I don't know. They're like, oh, social club. But if you're if you're unaware, um, in the early years, the made men, and remember, we were kids of the seventies. Right. You know, born in the 60s, but being raised in the 70s. So we were right. done with the hippie, you know, like, love will save the day because it didn't really save all the days. Right. But we our, just had a major uh, author slash uh, Buddhist monk, mm. Noah Levine. He wrote Dharma Punks. Mm. Really big guy. 
out here would Buddhism say the exact same thing? Yeah. He was like, the hippie thing kind of ended because they said love will save the day, and it didn't. Didn't. Right? It didn't. And so for, for me, I'm a son of a Vietnam vet, you know, um, talked to Pops the other day, his 70th birthday. So so for me, I had a, a few things on my, my temple. I have a diverse, cultural, diverse family, but the, the old rules played out. And in the old days, whether it was Clarence 13X who created the gods and earths, the 5% nation, or the mafia, they got, the city left them alone because they created social clubs. Right. Their storefronts were social clubs. Right. So now it's looked at as less than, but back then those were the guys. And that, since that, that was our... Yeah. That, that's like Bronx Tale, right? Like in yeah, the Bronx yeah, kind of like Bronx Tale. They yeah. had social clubs yeah. that they had kind of set up in the yeah. storefront. It's kind of an East Coast thing. Yeah, it is. Right? Which is where I come from, you know, right. Philly and New York. So you brought that out here. Well, no, I just had the concept that uh, I always believed in round tables. You know what I mean? We're all soldiers. We're all generals. You know, we can all learn from each other. So there will be no one person. Now, the guy who actually wanted to start this social club was a good good friend of mine had a three-story house but used to stay at my house in Inglewood and we were on a couch in a one-bedroom you know apartment my mom had the bedroom I was in the living room so he wants to start this click and he he mentions this guy that now we're listen up guys now we're uh talking about like well since these people won't accept me and they'll accept you you should come over here and do this with me. And it's going to be this other guy. And when he he said the guy's name, I'm like, that weird guy from ninth grade, ninth and tenth grade, or ninth grade? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we called him Dreamer. So I said, okay. So it's the three of us. Now, he's in off of Stalker and Crenshaw. That was, what was that? Uh, uh, like the top of Baldwin. Baldwin Hills. Mm-hmm. Baldwin Hills in a huge house his family owned he right wealthy family me and the other guy lived in Inglewood right so um that was its own dichotomy and then who right. what's our persona you know our persona is going to be this again we're crossing mod with Italian mafia and Chicano style because that was me and the guy who lived in Inglewood that was our influence right you know what I mean um, and heavy for me, really heavy. That was right. that was lowriders, Rivieras, sixty fours. I mean, not every day I was around that. Right for a, for a guy, right? Let's yeah. just let's just be real. For a guy that is, that appearance wise, anyway, yeah. right, looks African American. Yeah. But you're heavily influenced by the Chicano. Yeah. And believe you me, I grew up on an Indian reservation. Yeah. Right. So I know that sometimes your quote unquote own people mm-hmm. can sometimes have some assumptions about you too, just yeah. by the how you look. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But okay. how you carry yourself mm-hmm. was very important back then. So that's why Lux says, well, it started off one way. And in a way, was we were going to take these things that we admired and we were going to represent. But my aspect of it was character. I loved the slow rolling, um, watch everything kind of man in our neighborhood. I love those types of men. My great grandfather was that kind of guy. My pops to a degree, was that kind of guy. So each of us had different personalities. The other guy was very outgoing, Mr. Mm. Personality. Mm. I may dance, but my dancing still didn't compare. If he came in here right now, he back then, he was just the life. Hmm. So for me, I had rules, standards, structure. Um, the other guy was well-known and liked, and he was out there. And it did. It grew. We attracted more guys and more guys and more guys. And um, 
today it's it it went from so it went from a social club to a clique to uh organization let's just say <laughs> yeah so uh, so when yeah. we say all this stuff it's yeah. kind of interesting to lay out because steve steve has told sean and i by the way sean is the mr personality in our group but it just kind of fizzles he's <laughs> not doing a good but we so you know a lot of times people that don't know refer to everything as gang yeah right they're like hey that's a gang this thing's mm-hmm. a good in it but then we've learned like okay no there's like a neighborhood mm-hmm. then there might be an organization mm-hmm. and like in the neighborhood there might be cliques underneath the neighborhood yeah. and all this other kind of stuff so you're saying this thing went from kind of like a social club to a clique to a neighborhood it's a, a neighborhood. it's a neighborhood i uh in in any um how can i say this any hesitation is and i'll be straight up because of the show i don't drive the car i'm an architect so i help design the car right and i help design cars right and i'm good at it right um but i've moved on and so technically out of respect for whoever's driving that car right because i'm i know i still hold my moniker the first one ever given but um and i was one of the founders but i'm in i'm in a nation now Right. And I'm a I'm in a nation. So I'm going to say that any man knows when you're not in a car, even if you designed it or anything else, you're going to speak lightly about exactly. it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because the youth is the youth and they're yep. they're the ones and, and rightfully so. And because I ain't challenging they're, nobody. They're the one that are putting the gas <laughs> in the car and they're yeah, the yeah, one yeah, that's yeah, got the yeah, hand on the wheel. Yeah, so yeah. they've earned the right. They, they've chopped it, remodeled it. <laughs> yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. So it grew from a little thing to it's, it is a neighborhood. Yeah, it it's is. So it's and if you need to know any more about that neighborhood, you can email me yeah. and ask me. But with all due respect, the way you, you said it is exactly right, you know? Um, and, 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 the, and, here, and listen, the reason we're talking about it is not necessarily just because he was a founder of something that turned into a neighborhood. What I'm, what I want people to, what I'm trying to get at is the whole story in general. What this guy had to navigate through in order to continue pursuing his dreams and his life, because shit got real. Shit went, got real. <laughs> yeah. It got real, man. Yeah. And a lot of shit has happened. And um, and it isn't always. You're not always able to walk away from this mm-hmm. or find your way out he didn't even walk away he got pulled onto some adventures but it a lot of people get wrapped up in that and they never make it out man yeah or they make it out in a box um so okay. you know it, it, this kind of goes to something that steve says probably about like once every two hours on the show which is like look everything that we've just said if you can't read between the lines i don't know what to tell you right, <laughs> right? yeah yep. yeah uh, that's, that's a luciano line right can i rewind a little bit because yeah. of what you were saying about the original idea and yeah. the characters involved yeah really really sort of encompasses everything that lucky's been saying on a, a lot of these shows about the diversity of the west side and like how it combined all these different cultures yes which and makes it different than maybe what you might see still respect to them but like on the east, east more east you go yeah it's not as diverse right yeah absolutely i think um and and, and this isn't a tennis match to go back and forth but the reality is um uh lucky played a huge role in authenticating our existence because of who he was and our relationships and him being like these guys are all right now we did what we had to do we put in the work 
Right. And I was excellent at what I did. So, right. like I said, I wasn't drinking or smoking or anything. So the disadvantage was these guys were having a good time. And I was dead ass serious about what we were doing at the time. Right. So when he came around matching the few of us who were like, nah, well, it is what it is. He's like, yeah, but it don't have to be that. Let me just make the introduction. So the diversity of the West Side, because at the time, you know, we were, there was like four, and suicidal was a whole nother thing, but there was like four major um, cornerstones on the West Side that controlled, you know, Santa Monica obviously being one, Venice being another. Right. um, West LA, Satan. Yeah. And Culver City. And, and Culver City. City. And then you had uh, Showline, who wanted to know why were why was this mixed, diverse group coming out and not being, you know, us dissipating. So if I look black, I should be in that car. If you look Mexican, you should be in this car. If you look white, you should be in this car. Like right, what they do right, in prison. Right. right. And, and the first time I went to county, that's when the shit really hit the fan. You know, uh, it it was just straight up like, well, what the what the fuck are you guys doing? Who do you think you right, are? Right, right, and right. And this is in 86. Breaking the rules. Yeah, breaking the rules. So, again, if you can't say a name of a, hey, this is mm-hmm. my homie, check him, he'll give you my report card, mm-hmm. uh, you, were, you were definitely going to have some problems. So Westside became a haven because you could go in, come out, and come here, and you had people validating that you were solid, you right. know what I mean, just right. to exist and hang out and party. I don't know if, and what you're and what you're saying is true. Now, here's the part that I trip on is, is you got to remember, man, like where they were birthed out of was like this little area was like, it was like this little zone that was in between a lot of things, and they just scooped the whole thing up. It, this era came right from them, from this era we're talking about. But there was a history in Santa Monica because of like Moody's and 321 and different relationships that his group of dudes knew dudes from Santa Monica. So there was like this relationship somehow built in, right? I knew a couple guys, a couple guys knew a couple guys. It wasn't just out of the blue. It wasn't just out of the blue. So as they started becoming more of something, they had a legitimate relationship with a, a neighborhood that was already like a founded neighborhood from the 50s. Right. Saying that these dudes are really these dudes. And quickly through the West Side, yeah. now it's like, okay, somebody from Culver City knows somebody yeah. this way. And so what he's talking about is just like, it did, man. And it was just crazy yeah. like that. Because I had different homeboys. Like, I did have different homeboys of my mind of mine that I, that I fucked with that fucked with them. Yeah. And then I had a couple of his homeboys that rolled with me with my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, they were from my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm good talking guys about po- good guys, man. Yeah, Dudes guys. that I would go to bat for. Yeah. And um, and we weren't looking at whether the color of, the, of their skin. It and was, I, I, I'm going to tell you how it really started. Yeah. Believe it or not. Simple. Not deep. Bussing. They started bussing us from, we started using addresses to go to better schools so busing is how i got i went from i should have been in inglewood but i was at westchester but i got the junior high school i got kicked out of so the last the first year of high school 
I stayed, which would have been Inglewood High. I went to a West Side uh, junior high, which went um, eighth, ninth, tenth, mm-hmm. which is how I met the guy who lived on the big house. It was graduation. I was a serious motherfucker. Somebody shot me with silly string, and I started choking him. And he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He's playing. <laughs> no kid should be this serious. And I let him go, and he introduced himself, well-dressed, cool kid. But we should have never met because, again, I was getting dropped off in 6'4s and shit. You know what I mean? And he was getting dropped off in BMWs if I if I missed a bus or LTDs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting dropped off in a big-ass LTD. Now, the guy that the other guy we chose would skateboard from fucking Inglewood to the west side. And that's why I said that weird guy, because he would be on a skateboard and I'd pass him in a car like this dude's crazy. He's skateboarding mm-hmm. all the way. But, you know, that wasn't my thing. So I think uh, I think one of the ways is we were being bust. So we went to school with the dog time. Uh, Aaron Murray and I were in wood shop together. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of these guys, Scott Oster, a lot of these yeah, people yeah. we met in school. And because they were just cool motherfuckers back then, dap you up in the hallway, what's up, man, whatever. And then you wind up hanging out with them. And it, and really, the promenade, you know, Santa Monica promenade yep, is where yep. we hung during the day. You know what I mean? So we got out of school, and instead of going back to Inglewood or wherever the fuck we were from, we would go hang out as free People, or Westwood Village. Or Westwood Village. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Something you said, like, just struck a chord with me, and that was you were so serious yeah. as a kid that someone shot you. Why were you so serious? Uh, you know, again, the, the, the way I grew up, my grandmother raised me, you know, primarily, and... Uh, I, I was just around older people with, I don't know, I was born that way. They said I didn't even play in sandboxes. I wasn't, <laughs> like, you sat me in a sandbox. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, really, legitimately. And I just, I, I just, uh, I had a different way, of, you know, looking at things. And I just didn't, you know, I, I, I but I, if I was going to be honest, yeah, it was a uh, defense mechanism because this wasn't my culture or people. But I, 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 I had to, you know, be on point. So when I went to Inglewood, you know, and got down with people from over there, somebody from Inglewood Thresse came to have my back. So immediately I was out of the black car before I even knew what I was doing because I had the wrong, in their eyes, the wrong backup. Right. So now <laughs> those guys are, you know, I just didn't know where it was going to come from. And I hadn't claimed no hood. I knew a lot of people had cousins from 60s and this and that, but I claimed no hood. And I now I'm being bust. And I just didn't, I just wanted everybody to know, you know, just do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And that's just, that was just how I was. All right. So I think I got like actually like two points from you on that from what I was hearing. Number one is you're saying like there is something about your character from the gate Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to play. No. Yeah, Absolutely. And the second part was in the order that had been established by society, Mm -hmm. you were already outside of it. Yeah, no doubt. So you had to make, as everybody does in any new situation, they think it's only prison, but it's actually anywhere you go where they don't know you. Yeah. You got to make a quick show of what could happen to somebody that fucks with you. Yeah. So that you can make sure nobody fucks with you. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And I highly detest bullies. I don't like people. Fuck. I always wanted to take care of people who weren't because I wasn't that, you know, Early on, my father taught me how to get down so I could fight, do hop, wop, bob wire fences, electric fence. I could do shit that most people couldn't do <laughs> at nine and 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you got the wrong. I know you think I'm going to be a victim, but you just fucked up. So even that guy wasn't, he wasn't aware of why I was acting the way I was acting. Of course. And, and he was right. But then I became his, like, if you fuck with him, you had to deal with me. Right. I had right. nothing to say to nobody. I was always like that. I'd rather be. This is the most I've said about anything yeah. in my life. I don't talk, <laughs> even now. I don't, I don't do interviews. I, don't, I was a mime. Dancers don't talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I was taught by a very powerful, successful man, which would you rather be, Michael Jordan or manage five Michael Jordans? So my, my point of view is as long as my guys are good and they're out there, I'll be all right. I know how to get it. So I, I think, you know, again, it was, this is what I have to do to protect myself and set a line. And if you guys are too young or too dumb or you don't understand it, you should start setting lines now. I'll set one for you. And when he approached me, I backed up off the guy, of course, and I listened to him. And I listened to him because no one had told me that I was being too serious. You know what I mean? So I had to listen and learn. (laughs) Then I had to learn how to get a sense of humor and be a kid. And you know what I mean? It was crazy, man, but it was good. So at that the same time that we was doing street shit, we were a family. Yeah. We believed in some of the same things. And that's why the West Side was so dope is because so many, whether you're wealthy, you're poor, or whatever, so many people became family. You know what I mean? Uh, big brothers, little sisters, little brothers. That, that's how it really was. So when you're a kid, I'm kind of curious about this. I, hate that, but I just had a baby. Yeah. I didn't have it. My wife did. But I was there. Yeah. Are you are your headphones all right, man? Yeah. Can you hear? Yeah, one side of you, but I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. One side, Sean, sound man, Sean. He's saying one side's not making, it's not coming through. Now it him. is. Now it is. Okay, good. Yeah. My yeah. man. <laughs> um, because I just my baby's like two months old, yeah. and she's a little bit serious. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I should show you some of the pictures. Like her face, it's like she looks at you like I thought I told you not to fucking show your yeah. face around here. So when did you start to, did you as a kid become aware like, I'm not, I'm not really, oh, yeah. I'm not trying to play Sesame Street imagination yeah. shit. I'm kind of serious. When did you as a child start to come to awareness of that? Um, you know, my great grandmother, uh, <clears throat> both my great grandmothers were alive, my great grandfather. So there, you know, when older folks have something to say, usually kids pout, get mad, upset. And I just tried to process it. And I knew that, uh, you know, being exposed to all of that, uh, you know, I had to conduct myself a certain kind of way um, to stay in the house with them, to be around, you know what I mean? And I had a lot of, uh, of older folks kind of guiding me because the younger folks was out partying and doing their thing. So I think, um, but you know the old folks say old soul. You're old born soul, with yep. an old soul. Yeah. So, um, but early on, you know, martial arts, uh, all kinds of styles of fighting, like I said, survival tactics, the, the things that I get, I did get exposed to made me think, well, you have to, you obviously got to take life serious if I'm being taught how to do all of this shit, you know? So it was just my natural 
and then the added things that I was taught and exposed. And I started working at like 12. You know what I mean? So, Because <laughs> you got a lot of people, especially on the West Side, all right, that they got all the advantages in the world yeah. and they can't get out of bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, crippled, yeah. Crippled by... I don't know what you, enablement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. I see that everywhere I look. And a lot of people think, because like parenting's on my mind now. Right. Right? And I see that everywhere. Like right now, one of the big things is tummy time. <laughs> right? For the baby. Got to flip that thing over like a pancake. Right. <laughs> so she could like do some push-ups. Yeah, right? yeah. And I know she's a girl, but I ain't raising no weak girl. Right, right, I right. I am not raising no weak girl that's going to wind up at Jeffrey Epstein's house. Yeah, yeah, Ain't yeah. happening. Yeah. Ooh. Ain't the fuck I out. like that, bro. Yeah. No way, yeah. man. Yeah. So, but my, my wife Epstein, was like, bro. yeah, but when I turn her over, she cries. Right. I'm like, she's supposed to. Yeah. It's a matter with some crying. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you got to turn her <laughs> over. She got to start now. Right, right. Life, life's not a crystal stair. It ain't easy. Mm -mm. Right? Not at the all. The sooner you make friends with pain, right? Yeah. The better your chances are for success. Yeah. Bam. Because you'll figure out how to get, uh, which is what it's about. I think, you know, uh, the blame game is part of the reason why the West Side, I think, you know, everybody got to blame their parents that had double parents in their homes and all this stuff and blame drugs they if they hadn't got introduced which at the end of the day you have to find a resolve to uh work your way out of whatever situation you're placed in so as a baby if i'm flipped over one way i don't like it i'll figure out how to flip over another way right. you know what i mean and right. if they catch me at least i'll have a few minutes of doing so and and i don't know that it's that simple um but that's how I process it. If I'm in a situation, even today, I can empty my glass and start over again. Now, let me ask you this. Well, a thing I think about a lot, um, and since you have a lot of wisdom experience, right, and a different perspective, and, and so World War II generation is what's referred to as the greatest generation. Right. Okay. And they have some great things. Yeah. And they have some other things, whatever. Yeah. They're a generation like any other generation. Right, All right. right. Let me ask you this. This is I think about this all the time, and I don't really have an answer, and I'm curious what you think about it. Why does the greatest generation seem to have a huge chunk of kids, right, that wind up not being very good parents? Oh, well, the knee-jerk reaction yeah. is adults always screw up kids. <laughs> okay, but that particular generation was battling, um, you know, you look at the cars, the vehicles they designed. Yeah. Okay. So you have some really um, bold. You take the Mercury. The Merc is a bold, lined out, amazing looking vehicle. You know, they cut windows and chopped before it was. But at the same time, the functionality of the inside is kind of like just there. No, It's dope because it's not a lot of frills and no hard whole bars and and because ford really controlled so you got the ford you have mercury a division so i just think that they were experimenting with thinking outside of the box and then they shut back down and when you do that with kids it's like well you should be able to be free to to think outside the box and do what you want to do but not too much calm that <laughs> shit down you know what i mean and and um you know because my parents were the now, my grandmother on my mom's side was different. She let my mom figure it out. My pops is the youngest of 15. You know, again, 
His dad was very structured, serious kind of guy, but let some creativity happen, but with his um, fist on top of it. Right. You dig? So I think that that back and forth with that generation. Send a mixed message. Yeah, it's in a mixed message. And it's kind of like I said with the uh, the 60s parents, some of them being like, oh, it'll just all be okay. And it really won't. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So we, and we knew friends and like we had vegan and vegetarian friends back then. Right. Right. Like you go to your friend's house and you're like, oh, hell no. People living on communes. Yeah. it, It was crazy, man. That shit, you know. So different styles of parenting based on going, uh, and I, I'm a huge believer of polarity. You know, the, 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 the pendulum swings extreme both ways. So we had those hard, rigid parents, those post-war parents that tried to a little bit, but now nah, I got to get back to, because we're worried about society. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, huge, huge thing. Um, but at the same time, we're all fucked up because you can marry a 15-year-old kid back then a man you know what i mean not only so, that you could hit your wife not get in trouble yeah she couldn't couple go of years work. before that american yeah. indians kids off their land slavery yeah. i mean the whole thing the whole shit up. was fucked up yeah. so they were coming out of that right we're, we're getting better but we, we really don't know what the pendulum how far we should go you know what you make such a great point because i bring that up to a lot of people too because i'm like there's a pendulum just mm-hmm. like it swings but the thing, the fulcrum mm-hmm. that it's holding onto is moving also. Yes. Right? So it's swinging back and forth and the fulcrum's going up and we are actually a little better than we were. Yeah. It's fucked up as people are like, hey, Trump this and, yeah. and it is fucked up. I'm right. not saying it's right. But it's still a little better than, because if you were to really go back in time long enough, nobody would like what was going on. No. Oh. No. It wouldn't be selective. It would just be. Exactly. So- like and you bring up a good point because I was thinking about um, our expectations, yeah. right? As a society, yeah, right. And we're like, and if you go back to the books, like when you guys, I mean, I'm not that much younger than you guys, <laughs> but when you go back to the books yeah. and like, right, they thought like 1990 there would be like flying cars and yeah. you could mm-hmm. breathe water and yeah, all this yeah, shit, right? Yeah. And we get here and it ain't anything like yeah. that. So the expectations were super high also about where we would be with peace, where we would be with racism, mm-hmm. where we would be with love, all that stuff. And it was set really high, yet we were still emerging from a cave when we got these industrial tools. Right. Absolutely. And that's how you wind up with the Nazis. Nazis yeah. got a factory, right, right, right. and then they were like, you know what, we should just kill a whole bunch of people with it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we were still emerging kind of from yeah. a very brutal time. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> it was like giving a caveman like a A scalpel. machine gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what it was. That's I, interesting. I, uh, yeah, you know what, it's, it's uh, yeah, you, might, you just bring up, uh, eloquently, you bring up a lot of different things, man. Um, I want to know. I want to know. So you know, you're you're taking us through this. You took us through dancing, and you know that as as you started exploring a lot of different business stuff. Yeah, I know that you're always into like from very small. You grew up with yeah. low riders, bikes around you, and you had this passion for it. Yeah. At what point in time did you get to really come off and go full fledged into your passion, into your lifestyle with building bikes and automobiles and and really going there with it again you know the pendulum swings both ways i was i was a professional a vp of a company 
that I'd started off as a warehouse guy, and within five years, I was a VP of the company. Because Vegas it was really weird for me to transfer, you know, transfer what I'd done here in Cali out there. Again, it's a little bit behind. So long story short, um, I got in trouble, and I hadn't been in trouble in since like '99. Uh, I got caught with a firearm, and it's an open carry state. But when they sat me on the ground, my vest covered my firearm. I had a parking ticket that turned into a warrant. I had the cash in my pocket, but because of the area I was in, he's like, nah, you're going to jail. Mm. They handcuffed me. They searched my bike, but they never searched me. So I'm like, hey, man, I got my firearm on me. <laughs> so they hit me with, he, he, was, he was embarrassed. It was an embarrassing moment for the officer. Because he didn't check. Because he didn't check. So he was very aggressive. And his, the charges were aggressive, uh, transporting explosives, having bullets in a gun. Well, where what? else is bullet? Yeah. So it was, it was uh, the, uh, what, did the what's DA? that word egregious? It was, it was horrible. <laughs> okay. Did the DA throw that out? Nah, DA wow. didn't throw it out. And I thought so. And I said it's an op- open carry state. And the DA was like, didn't say anything. The judge said, okay, Deputy Scott, like, since you think, you know. <laughs> so I laugh now. Um, but I lost my security clearance with the, with the strip and I was, I was consulting on all sorts of things, man. And I was bringing home, Wait you a know, second. Yeah. was this before or after the, the shooting in Las Vegas? Oh, before. Way before. See what happens? Way before. You take Poncho's security clearance <laughs> and nobody's safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so from that it became, well, damn man, you know, what am I going to do? And, uh. I had done one deal with a bike, and I had a guy who just, who's now my current business partner, he knew um, that I was interested. And he says, why don't you do a small gallery-style spot? Just sell two bikes or something and build two bikes a month. So I said, okay, but you got to teach me the business. I didn't understand finance and, and, and lending and compounded interest, and, and I was out of, I was a little bit out of my element. So I went which is how I've done everything. I said, will you teach me? He said, yes. I would go meet with him, sit down. And he said, I think you do really, really well here. Why don't you stay? And that's, you know, how we built the certified brand together. He had already had certified, but we didn't have certified motorcycles. And it afforded me the opportunity to really um, bring out what I knew from L.A. because Vegas didn't really have Chicano-style bikes. They had lowriders, and there were some people that had the bikes, but I made it available that, you know, I could do it. I knew what it looked like. I knew what it felt like, and I had built the bike with a very good friend from Whittier. My first bike I built in his garage, um, Roland Tegel uh, Jr. Tegel Sr. had a badass bike, and we kind of, some of it was modeled after Roland's bike, my cousin Lamont's, and, and Sr.'s, and uh you know, we would always say not too bad for two brothers from the hood. So Bella, which is the first bike I built, drew a lot of attention. And that's really, that was the start. But it was from, and I was blessed the case wound up being dismissed later. It was uh, dismissed. Yeah, I paid a fine and it was dismissed, but How I had it? to be humbled, you know. You did. And here, in a, not to make it a long story longer, but the judge had just got back from the Pentagon or something really serious. And he was happy <laughs> that he was back and... Uh, he looked at my case, and when you go for public defender, you have to put down, you know, your last, what you made. 
And I, I put it down. He says, is this a severance package? I said, no, that's what I made, you know, every two weeks. And he was just so shocked that he said, you lost your job because of this? And I said, yeah. And he gave me a really reasonable fine. I was blessed. The ancestors were looking out for me. And uh, I, people say all the time, I beat a case. We've never beat anything. Either you, either the pendulum is swinging one way or the other. I mean, skill is, is cool, but you know there's those days when it's like, shit, I don't know how I'm going to get you out of this. Right. Red-handed, because the organization I'm in now is considered an outlaw 1% nation on the biker side. Real quick, what does that mean, 1%? 1% of the po- population of uh, bikers that are the worst that could possibly be. Like the uh, top of the 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 food chain. Or the bottom of society. Right. Either way you want to look hey, at it. Hey, some people's bottom of the society <laughs> yeah. is top of the food chain. But that's how it originally came out as a derogative statement about a group of bikers um, back then, and uh, it, it kind of stuck. And it means a lot to a lot of different people. But outlaw status to me is, again, someone who just doesn't take anybody's crap, and you know they'll handle their own business. But it comes with a lot of responsibility. Right. It, it's like being responsible for, I feel like I'm responsible for everybody who rides a motorcycle. I'm not there to be a bully. I'm not there to, you know, intimidate people. You know, I facilitate order. I know the rules, 35 years riding and 20 or 30 of those in a patch. I should know how to help people get along, move around and explain things without violence. Uh, Because I know that out of all the amazing people I've met in my life and as great as everybody in this room and all of the priests and shamans and Everybody I've met, I've yet to meet a man or a woman that could put life back into a body. So once you're dead, you're dead. And I know it. And so any incident, any fist fight, anything could happen and become fatal. So I try to prevent that shit in in my area. Okay. So what you've described to a certain extent, right, that you are are part of a group or an organization. Yeah. Okay. And that. Uh, they have a certain reputation. Yeah. Okay. And that, but that there's something you're doing that is facilitating avoiding the need for violence. Yeah. Just that's just my personal. Your personal, right? Yeah. Now my nation understands it, and there's other people, and there's mentors that I have. If, if people want to know what's going on, because we're hearing crinkling. Steve's over here. I'm rolling up a a cigarette. I smoke a cigarette every now and then. then Once in a while. Bugler, and he's got a banana peel, and the whole thing is a fucking picnic. This guy's got me. It's like I'm in a movie theater. I'm (laughs) listening to every word he's saying. (laughs) You're watching ants carrying away a watermelon thing. It's the whole crazy. So, okay. So, right. And you're saying, like, look, it's not a sanctioned thing that I do. Right? It's just my personal thing because I understand dead is dead. Yeah. You don't come back. You don't come back. So now, but what I want to know is, take us through them because I gotta believe if what if I understand what you're saying correctly, you've had to navigate some tricky situations between certain personalities. Absolutely, all the time. What's the secret? Because there's a lot. I know I'm an attorney. Yeah. And every shithead attorney I know that hates grinding paperwork always Mm -hmm. thinks they're gonna be a mediator. Right. They think it's easy money. I right. just sit down and I shuttle back and forth, and I right. tell them it'll be ten, and it'll be, it'll be like negotiating a blanket for yeah. sale in Mexico, right? Yeah. Half of whatever you said, half. Of, right. What's the real trick to um, negotiating real peace between people who don't feel it? Um, 
the the first uh, technique because there are no tricks. You gotta you gotta pray that you facilitate, and and in all reality and defense and transparency, I was a mediator for between L.A. County all the way up to San Bernardino. So I I dealt with the community and law enforcement for a long time here in L.A. And so, uh, meaning you go to the hood, you fuck somebody up, and they want to sue, and we can't afford a suit, but also the community person is wrong as well, so we have to come dispute resolution, mediation. Right. So I did that shit. So but, you do, you do, you were trained professionally, yeah. and you have experience yeah. professionally. Yeah, but the first experience came from being in diverse neighborhoods and being a kid. Mm. And like, when Luck said, well, how did you get to own a shop? It was because I, I, I didn't think I fucked up, but I had fucked up. I had to lose, and then I negotiated with someone to teach me, and then that person afforded me because of, the, of me getting up, showing up before him, work, you know, just coming every day. Commitment. Commitment. He said, well, what else can we do? So a lot of times in mediation or a lot of times when I'm in a situation and, 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 and I get calls and people say, hey, man, this person just fucked up and it's from another club or my club or my organization, the first thing I got to figure out is, okay, man, we, we're, we understand there was a problem. But let me listen to it fully. By the time that person tells the full situation yeah. and I ask, so what do you want? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They got to think. Right. So I say, okay, why are you thinking? Let me talk to the person, get their side. And, they, and I let them do the same. I mean, exhaust them, man. Tell me, I ask them questions. Tell me everything that happened. And then, so what do you think should be done? You know you're fucked up, right? Well, yeah, man, I can see sees it that way, but this ain't how it was. But okay, okay, okay. What do you think we should do with this? Well, I don't know. Well, you get back to me. Now, if I have a suggestion, um, you have to strategically say, is this an option? Don't be telling people what to do. So, again, like I said, it's step by step. The number, the first step you have to listen, man. You got to let people talk. You got to let them vent. Even if they're saying some crazy out of um, – you, and you have to have your own discipline with words. No, there's no words you could say to make me move out of my seat. You could say fire and I'll sit in this motherfucker. Yeah. I don't feel the heat. Well, that heat's not that bad. Well, I mean, shit, what's a little burn? Man, you sound like my wife. So, but at the end of the day, it's so that I could listen to everything you say. Because if I get offended by your words or his or anyone else's, yeah. I can't hear the whole story, man. Right. Now I've shown you. That I got an opinion right. and you shut down right, on it. Right, 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 yeah, but right. you know what? You're what you're saying is true, but that's like Jedi level. There's not a lot of people that can achieve that level of restraint. And until that's why you, there's until, not a lot of these wait, guys. Until, there's not or, a lot of bunch of them. But until you take your ass to the military, yeah, prison, yeah, doctor's office, you got some fatal, crazy, yeah. disgusting shit. Yeah. I bet you start listening yeah, good you, then. You will then. Yeah, you will. Because you gotta do what? You have to program. Right. And when you're negotiating peace or trying to get people to understand each other, it's programming. It's it, it's listening and programming. Right. And when I'm saying that, like, everyone has a capacity to yeah. listen. I get what you're saying. But right, what right. I'm saying is, is you're stepping between <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. two. Yeah, and like, I, and let's take it out of your realm so no yeah. one gets offended. But, yeah. like, a guy who's going to mediate yeah. or who's going to broker the peace oftentimes is stepping between 
two people with a lot of ego. Yes. A lot of pride. Yeah. Right? A lot. You know, the the yeah. whole definition of who they are is tied up in how this thing's going to get resolved. Yes. Right? So I love this. So let me, and, and yes, so you come in. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is like the dance floor, man. It's just a different dance. Am I crazy? It's all yeah. the same shit. Right? You know what, right. Jumahan said, you know what's funny before you go for it's interesting because him being a trained attorney, he says some things that you're saying right now, and I've watched him in practice. One of the things he says to me is he goes, because I've been with Jumahan when we're negotiating, and Jumahan will hear it out, talk about it. So what do you want? So what do you want? And most people cannot answer that question, bro. Right. Like you said, they need time to answer it. Or they cannot answer. This person answer. will remain nameless. But do you remember when we had that meeting at that, that coffee shop, whoever that was? And they went through this long thing. Right. And we sat there. And I go, okay, what do you want? And it was like, he was like not sure what to say to that. Yeah. He was stuttering over that. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> but you also remember that. He was stuttering because the other dude hadn't told us what he already agreed upon. Right, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but it right, happens but all the time. No, but it does happen. It happened more than just that time. Yeah. It happened more than just that time. It happened right. with the other guy with the book. Right. What do you want? What do you want? It happened with a friend of ours and, what and us. What do you want? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you so what do you want? But it's interesting, bro, because... Uh, there's a lot to asking somebody what they want from something, you know? And if you give it room to breathe, a lot of different things can happen. Or it's just interesting. Hey, man. let me put myself in the spot of the guy that gets asked that. So I just had a court case. I was representing clients, okay? And the court case went in such a way that the other side wasn't even allowed to put on evidence. I set it all up because they didn't follow certain deadlines. They couldn't even put it. So I put on our side. That was the entire universe of evidence. Da, 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 da. At the very end, right, closing arguments and all this other stuff, the judge turns to me and says, okay, so what do you want? And I'll be honest with you, I didn't just spit it out. I, at that moment, I felt the weight of my clients, the weight of my words, right, and the weight of the entire last 15 months on top of what I was about to say. So part of it, too, is... I don't want to shout something out yet because I don't know what I can get. Did I think through everything that I can get from this situation? Or am I going to lose something because I said the wrong thing? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right? Is that, I mean, do you feel like that's what some of these people are feeling when you're asking them what you want? A hundred percent. And um, if they're not, that's what I want them to do. You know, because, again, it's not my – a lot of times it's not my situation. So, uh Sometimes it is, meaning it's a, it's going to directly affect me or the people that I represent or the person who asked me to look into it. Um, but in life, especially, and it all goes down again to neighborhoods, territories, dancing, performing, uh, traveling in life, you got to help people think about it before they turn around and blame you for the outcome. And then, and then you've taken all that on. I uh, gave a disclaimer. I don't run this car. I can speak on how we started and my perspective of what we wanted. So that is going to get anybody thinking about well, how they approach me. Okay, what what is there left to say if I gave that disclaimer? So I know how to do it for me. And if I feel like people are not ready or I'll ask that question, hoping that they'll think and feel the same weight that you feel. 
for yourself, your words, your client. So before they just tell me what they want, and they, and I'll even say, take a minute if you need it, or let's let's talk an hour or so. Let me go do this other thing. So you engage people so that they come up with the solution or what they want, and they got a minute to think about it, man. Because it's it's uh, at the end of the day, even though it's just ego, it's just pride, it's just whatever. At the same time, it's usually rooted to how they see themselves. So when it's dispute resolution or breaking some shit up or something's going to go real funky, you know, you have to let them be a part. I could tell them all the stories in the world, Mm -hmm. how it could go wrong, what you really don't want, law enforcement part of it. (laughs) But (laughs) unless they've come up with it, they're going to think that, and they'll half-ass respect me for it, but they'll resent me later if yep. I told them what to do. Right now, if they say, "I don't know, Pancho, what do you, what would you do right. in this situation?" Then they've asked you for your advice. Yeah, and even so, I'm going to do a little bit more uh, investigating. I'm going to ask them some more questions, so it's not one side. And this is why I'm saying it's 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 taking the time like this to think about what the fuck's coming out of his mouth. Yeah, that he sits here right now, clean. You know, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you, the reason I know it is because where I've been and my reputation is clean. Right. And I've been in some, in, I've had some things handed to me that I really didn't want to take, man, because I've seen how those ended up. And I thank God. And it just takes stopping and thinking, and it takes putting yourself in other people's shoes and really th- being able to think that far down the line. If I even lean that way, am I going to catch the wind of that later? Am I going to be held accountable? Like, I want to be very clear with my disclaimers. I want to be real clear that that's your idea. I'll yeah. help you facilitate, but this is your idea, correct? Right. Okay. Like, all this shit is, especially when you're playing, set all the regular shit aside. You're talking about life and death. You're taking that shit seriously. Because if it doesn't catch up with you there, in the world that I live in, it's going to catch up with you later, but it's going to follow you. It doesn't leave you. and uh, Right, like a scandal out of Ukraine with Giuliani running around. And somehow one out of a million up in your face. And yeah. there's one out of a million people. Yeah. Every million people, there's one person that can navigate, maybe. And if, it. It, and if you take the brands you've worked with, you know, um, it's the same thing. People are entrusting you with their image, whether it's a violent image or positive image, or I've revamped and created you know, something, or I have a brand new baby, man, help me make this great. So I think, again, the rhythm of it is you got to take a beat. (laughs) You know what I mean? Literally, you got to have rhythm, man. You got to know to two-step your ass out of the way. You know, I appreciate the the faith you have in me. (laughs) However, you know what I mean? You take a minute. Even, even, um, in our in our professional, when we take the street culture and make it a business, yeah. we're selling them a piece of. And so you got homies, you got people who are broke. It's like, man, that motherfucker. Yeah. You know, how come you didn't? Mm-hmm. You know. But that's that's how I talk. That's how I get down. But I think, well, this is something that they won't miss or get offended by that we delivered to the culture. You know what I mean? And we've been a part of street culture as our life, so it has not been just. You know what I mean? Like someone lived in the hood and not from a hood. We've really been in that culture. So you have to be, uh, you got to be careful even in moving in that direction, trying to make a living. 
You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's true up to, I feel like that's true up to a point. It's not an exact comparison, but I'll tell you, having American Indian heritage, right, to a certain extent, I'm already surrounded by a ton of motherfuckers who ain't Indian who claim to be Indian. You're right. Okay. Yeah. And the story's already been told falsely about a bunch of Indian shit that ain't even real. Right. Right. Iron Eyes Cody, right? The dude, that Indian that was in the canoe. Yeah. And crying over the trash, that dude was Italian. Right. Wasn't even <laughs> Indian. <laughs> right, right, All right. right. And, you know, part of me is almost past the point of tripping on that. Right. Which sets me apart from some of my that other. That guy right. wasn't Indian? No. Wasn't it? I used to watch that as a little kid on mm. TV. I'd even catch a little. I felt like, <laughs> what are they doing to the Indians, man? man <laughs> he was, he was, hey, no, I was catching that because he was a goomba. Yeah, huh? you're an Italian tier. Fuck, okay. So, and See I how we always got to step in and do shit for everybody <laughs> make that shit <laughs> So I even, so like, and then I got past that because I'm like, you know what's most American? There probably ain't anything more. Maybe there's a couple things that are really American, mm -hmm. right? If you really want to break it down. Right. One is pretending to be something you ain't. Right. That's American. <laughs> right. Right. That, that goes, I don't care. That goes all the way back to Benjamin Franklin who would wear a Davy Crockett, like, pioneer cap in France. Right. Right. Benjamin Franklin ain't never been anywhere near any pioneer nothing. Right. 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 But he was in France getting treated like a rough, savage pioneer because the French didn't know jack shit about what was going on in America. He had this right. thing on, and he was selling. He was yeah, selling, yeah, yeah. right? So that's American. Mm -hmm. So And there probably ain't anything more American than having a divorce under your belt. Right. right? That's about as American as you get. <laughs> there probably ain't anything more American than pretending to be Indian. Right. Right? I mean, I mean, all due respect to everybody, but I almost don't run into a white person, a black person. The only... Every single one of them's got a little bit of Indian blood when I <laughs> right. meet them. They're always right, like, hey, right. my Seminole. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, but back on my... And they're all serious about it. Right, and I don't right. even challenge anybody. And they believe it. And, and it might be true. But here's the thing. And it might be true. Here's the thing, though. Go ahead. Like, the reason why I'm, I don't really touch on the whole my culture, heritage, like you said, when I go in a joint, I have to make a severe... There was a guy named Blackbird back in the 80s that was black Chicano. Yeah, and he told me this will be the worst decision you make of your life if you get in this car with us. Uh -huh. I'm this in '86. I'm telling you, this is the real shit. So he says, I know what you like. You play, you playing this out there, and I'm like, nah, man, you know all the shit. And he's like, fuck out of here. I mean, big motherfucker too, like serious with it. But the thing about it is, there's all kinds. Like Taino is a word that you hear Boricuas, Puerto Ricans use a lot, but yeah. there's Tainos were in Dominican and Haiti. They, it, it's a description of a type of people. So a lot of times people grab onto wanting to assimilate. You know, hip hop is not a black thing. It's just a thing. You know what I mean? Now, a lot of brothers were pioneers, yeah. but it's a culture, right? Yeah. So Chicano lifestyle, you'll see gringos, you see blacksicans, you see blackbirds, because then the title blackbird was a bird who didn't fly with his birds. So they named that a black Mexican is a blackbird. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Nick because he wasn't flying with his he birds. He wasn't flying with his birds, bro. You know, these little, small, little descriptions. And that, those are pockets of people in a certain area. But people assimilate and they try to catch on and they say they're something they're not. Well, when I say selling culture, I'm talking to 
multi-billion dollar company trust you with $800 million budget and that's to identify with the group of people that will buy their product. Mm -hmm. And then our people was like, you getting a check for that? So we were the first, because at the same time, I transferred that shit into marketing too. Cross Color, Stussy, Mosmo. We got contracts with the guys who like Mike Messick's Lucky. You know, he was the best at it. But we all figured, well, a few of us figured out how to get those checks. But then your boys are like, well, you got a check. Yeah. How come yeah. I didn't get a check? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's a little bit the simulation of, well, let me make this so it doesn't turn into a big-ass upheaval, uproar, and the company don't get sued, and you don't have neighborhoods going and right, protesting. Right. Or it's political, man. Yeah. It can get real political. Listen, I and so yeah, along that line, when you go off the reservation, mm. okay, and you go get a law degree, yeah, and you're on a podcast talking about your perspective on what it means to be American Indian, yeah, right, and you're dispelling some myths, <laughs> and you got to do that, and you might be, and you might be wrong or right to a certain extent, because because it's like you're a human, you got your experience, yeah. and I'm just telling mine. Yeah, I'm yeah. found a platform. I didn't just sit back and be mad about it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I'm an in-betweener. Yeah. I'm an in-betweener. Yeah. Right? I ain't FBI, full-blooded Indian, but right. I was on the reservation, so I'm an in-betweener, so I really understand. And, and, you know, when you grow up in that situation and you start going out, and you go back to, like, the reservation or powwows or you go on the canoe journey that I went on, right? There's a certain percentage that look at you with hate. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I believe you think that. you're better than me. Yeah, I believe that. Or how come you ain't spending eight hours a day trying to pull all of us along with you? A hundred percent, I get it. Right? Yeah. Right. And at some point, you have to make a decision. Like for me, in my own life, like, hey, I paid my dues. Mm -hmm. Like, you want to tell me what I need to do and what I don't need to do? I paid my dues. Yeah. I earned to make the choice of what I'm going to do. And I'm I'm looking to the future. Right. What's American Indian in the future? Yeah. What's it going to mean for America to have Indians here in the future? I ain't trying. That's someone else's job in the, in the group. Right, right, right. right. Somebody who wants to be an archaeologist and they want to go back and they want to try to figure out how to make a fucking arrowhead. Mm. Cool. I ain't. Tr I'm not mad at it. Right. But that's not where I'm staying. No, that's not you. I'm looking like, how do you bring right America and Indians? How do you get somebody? How do you get off the race thing a little bit? Mm -hmm. Right. How can? So I got a lot of red brothers, and I'm like, you really think about it. Even the white people are are part Indian if they grew up in this country, and that right, really right, flips right. them out, right. man. Because I'm like, listen, everything that you touch in the United States has a touch of American Indian shit in it. Even the concept of like, I ain't paying taxes. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm going to live off the grid. Yeah. yeah. Right. I want to be one with nature. Yeah. Like, certain level, that level of, of whatever is American Indian tribalism. That's like, fuck you. I'm out. Right. And I'll live on the grass. I don't give a shit. Right. I'll just do that because I can and humans have been doing that. Yeah. So, there's a million things like that that I see. So, for you. I guess what I really want to know when I take all of that and my feelings, I, for whatever reason, I feel kind of a little bit of a, a recognition of in betweenness, yeah. of like the in the in the middle grounds. Right? Absolutely. Right. With, with you a little bit. So for you, what do you see are the major in between aspects of your life where you're like, I was both. I yeah. was. It, it always comes down to uh, 
the households, man. You know, uh, the other part of the West Side is you got some you got some good food and you got some bad food. I talked about it. You know, you got your friends, family who's vegan, this and that. But what you got is you got welcome in their home to eat. So, you know, if I wanted to be on the black nationalist side in a black car, you know what I mean? And I've had sit downs when I say this is the car I ride in. I don't suck, siphon gas. I mean, I don't suck dick. I don't kiss nobody's ass to fucking get a pass. I've I've decided what I'm going to do. However, I'll be respectful in your home. This is your house. So I'm going to be respectful in your house right now. You know what I mean? And my feet ain't up. I'm not I'm not doing You say move closer to the mic and move. Oh, I'm not, man. I'm shit. I've been doing I'm going to tilt the shit up. The, no. <laughs> so, I think the in between is that even though you are who you say you are and you've decided to take a side, people will say if you're not pushing if you're not always a hundred percent on some do you know who you're talking to but they don't understand the difference between leadership roles and bosses and so you have to be in between on hey man this is a tradition in this man's home or this is a tradition in this neighborhood or we have to keep one person in our enemies camp that when it comes to the negotiate uh how we're going to stop this shit. Because the only thing, only reason why we fight and go to war, which anybody who's read any books knows, is to get what we want. What do you want? So I'm going to be the in-between guy that, now I'll tell somebody, they, hey man, guys saw me two days ago. What's up? You know, I ain't heard from you. I said, man, you know what it is with us. I ain't with them no more. Oh, okay, what's happening? You know, but I still have to be the guy that can talk or there has to be guys and that's the in-between that some people in your camp and car will be like, well, why are you still having any kind of interaction with these people? Or why did you go in their house and eat? If you were black nationalist, then what are you doing over there with the Italians or the Jewish guys or this and that? But when you travel, when you need food, when you're a kid and somebody's mom is like, your friend looks skinny as shit, come over here and eat this. That's where it really starts, man. It starts with the being welcome in people's home. And then you learn that lesson on how to get through that meal without offending. Mm-hmm. And this this is some real shit. Mm-hmm. You're not looking at your homeboy's sister. Mm-hmm. You ain't stole. This is how we who cross in different camps always get kicked out of those camps. Yep. Somebody stole mm-hmm. yep. drugs yep. Yep. or somebody's sister. They didn't sister. know how to act. They didn't, they didn't know, how, know to how to act. Right. Okay? And if you maintain, and I've been blessed to try to keep a good conduct. I may be shit elsewhere, but people's homes I maintain. Then I take that with me in... Well, there's one guy I know we can pick up the phone and call. But your brothers or your friends or your crew may be like, ah, that motherfucker's just riding the fence. He's just he's just playing along. Mm-hmm. Nah, man, I'm sincere. But if we can't never negotiate no goddamn peace, we're going to be at war forever. Yeah, you might be the only one welcome back there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if I could save the whole town from getting burnt up, then I'm with it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I gotta say this. Now that we're here and I heard everything that you said, and we think about how in this country, let's say, right, uh, it's the most divided it's ever been. Yeah. And I and guess what? I'm almost gonna say no, it ain't. No, right. Are you do you right. agree with that? Well, I I don't think the atrocities as um, I I think. I don't know that it is or isn't as divided. I think that we haven't been as vocal, the division, because the mediums we have to share what we think 
is everywhere. Right. But I know the atrocities are rising, are, are ramping up. And that's why is it, you know, we're seeing before we wouldn't know for months what happened in another state. But right. we're just seeing some real um, uh, just over the top, no respect for life. And and that's what has people saying, man, it's, this shit is is horrible right now. You know, the deaths, the people getting shot, and this and that, and the third. But right. I, so you're saying, okay, so you're talking a, a little bit about, I think, like just the weird mass shootings that we have. So many of them. Well, not even the mass, but the officer shooting. You know, people Officers. in their homes, and yeah, you know, that, shit like that. That and woman just, who was shot in the head by yeah. that officer. And I think I think in terms of administration and politics, they just feel like it, uh, people are being um, very vocal. But the atrocities that were happening and it was legal, I think yeah. we're definitely there's a separation. But let me tell you, the weakest, the weakest person, as I said, difference between a killer and a murderer, the weakest person is the people doing the mass shootings. Mass shoot, the guy doing the mass shooting is not anybody for me to fear. Why? Or be, because, first of all, it's easy to be the loudest, loudest guy in a library. It's easy to shoot up people in churches, schools, and and movie theaters. Right. You come try to do that shit in some of the hoods that I'm from, you won't right. even fuck. We're taking your guns, ammunition, and everything else. Isn't that what happened to the Night Stalker? Didn't the Night Stalker go into the wrong neighborhood, yeah, try to yeah, do some shit, and got his ass yeah. handed yeah. to him? And we used to not. I mean, you want to get weapons, it's like go hit up a motherfucker who's carrying a bunch of them because you shouldn't have to do all of that. And I'm not saying it's it's harmful if your wife and your daughter and you you know what I mean. And right. if you're not a trained person, right. but a, a, and a motherfucker's got the upper hand, but he's not like he ain't the guy for me to be afraid of. You right. know, I just need to be able to watch out for him. And if I tell you, officer, that dude is weird as shit, get him the fuck on, or else I'm gonna engage. Not really, not anymore, but I'm just right, saying. Of course. I'm going to engage with them, and then I'm going to go to jail, even if I was fucking right. But those guys, you know, that's psychological shit. Who, then, is the great Poncho? What kind of guy is the great Poncho afraid of? Oh, shit, Poncho, the first. Pops? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, Pops. You know, I know I, I openly told people multiple times, Haitian Jack was one of the only guys that I never wanted to have an issue with. And if you don't know who Haitian Jack is, do your homework. Yeah, do your homework. But that dude, he, he's probably an inch shorter than me. He's he, back in the day, he was just like you know. But there were a lot of guys when I was growing up, you know. But like archetype wise, so what kind of guy is that? Like you're thinking like, okay, I got a coward. He's just in a room with a gun, yeah. shooting people who don't even know what's happening. You know, I, but do you have like people where you're like, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's like a real greedy motherfuckers that are, I don't know what it is. Yeah. You have an archetype where you're like, that's a guy I got to keep my eye on because that guy is going to. Yeah, actually, you nailed greed and envy. If a person apologizes telling me that they were envious of me, I'll, I'll always keep my eye on him because I hear the apology. But the truth of the matter is you have envy in your heart and greed. And that's worse than anger. You know what I mean? Um, that's all because because those that's where the sadistic thoughts come from of a motherfucker really trying to take you out and conquer you and, and end you. You know what I mean? So, so that's often why I will let people know my interests don't conflict with your interests and my guys don't conflict with, with your guys. And geographically, we won't be running into each other. So when we deal with territories and things like that and when we ask how can we move forward, you have to give that disclaimer. So the people that I don't want to deal with are the greedy people, the people who are power hungry. You know what I mean? I love roundtables. 
it, I, I, it's it's the best thing in the world for me. And then people have always told me, Pancho can't be like that. Nate, it can't be like that. You have to choose a leader. You know, if I put money into something, I'll be like, let's do the roundtable thing. You know, because I've seen too many dictators and shit like that. And at the end of the day, it was my biggest battle. Is Like I said, I don't like a bully. So if I give everybody equal power and I see somebody creeping up, you know, either physically I want to see what you got. I mean, what, what makes you over him? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't I listen to you? Why wouldn't I bring you into a setting and, and take your and heed your advice? Why wouldn't I learn from you? Man, you went, you spend a lot of money and time or whatever to get an education. So when guys shut other people down and they only want to be in power, yeah, I definitely back away from those kind of guys. Yeah. I I this this gentleman builds the most beautiful bikes and trucks. I mean, he's just Cars uh, automobiles, yeah. yeah, automobiles, <laughs> bikes, trucks. What's the number okay. one truck? Because I'm I'm in the market for a truck. What do you like? Uh, you know, you know, we do Chevy. Chevy is has been a, but I can't say it's the number one. I just say it's the one that we we will um, people seek a lot of the fifties. No, Chevys. but you have one. You're like, man, that's the truck I would buy. I'm uh, looking to get a truck that's going to be. New, oh. new. I'm not trying to do a classic thing. Okay. But that's I, what they build is classic. 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 Right, but I always like to talk to truck dudes just to find out, like, I want something that's, like, half. I'll be, be honest, the GMC. GMC. Yeah, I told you GMC, You did too. say that. <laughs> They're that badass, GMC is a bro, badass. Badass. And, and, and you could bag it, and you could have room for your kid and everything, so you could still get, yeah. get some old we school had flavor. Enough, <laughs> have you heard GMC enough to know that God's trying to get you to buy GMC, a GMC brother. I have heard that. It's safe, yeah. it's safe it's too. Shit. It's good shit, yeah. Hey, and I want you to, uh, we're going to wrap up, yeah. man. We're going to wrap up. This is just... One of the best podcasts ever, dude. I really, and I don't say that all the time, dude, at all. Yeah. It's just like, I could listen to you talk, man. I just got so much, uh, I got so much love, respect for you. Um, really, really, bro, just on so many levels, man. You just, I learned from you. I wish we got to spend more time together. Yeah, yeah like engage all the time. And, yeah. and that time will come. That's why we have those good dinners, man. Yeah, That's yeah, why we have yeah, those yeah, good yeah. Dinners, you know, I got to come out to Vegas now for dinners. <laughs> yes. But um, please, <laughs> I want you to tell us where we can find you. Give us the, the you know, I know it's certified. Give us yeah. a rundown of where we can find you on Instagram, yeah. in business, in Vegas. So we, we have Certified Motor Company. That's our dealership for the bike sales. Um, and we sell newer stuff. Uh, so LVCMC.com, Las Vegas um, Certified Motorcycles. LVCMC.com is uh, our dealership. Um, the Ponchos, Ronflas, and Viklas are coming, uh, which is my version of the Chicano style and Chuco style. I won't leave out Texas and those brothers over there. They do some really nice stuff. Um, um you got Gringo over there, man, doing some badass stuff. But there's a lot of there's a lot of brothers that are doing Chicano style bikes and Chuco style bikes. And I'm just um paying homage to the guys who who I grew up watching, the Hernandez family, who uh who kind of showed me the way. So the Ponchos Ronflas and Viklas are are fifties, forties, all the way to thirties cars, and then the newer soft tails and road kings that I do fishtails, air ride, front and back, and we'll actually be doing a rental with that line. So you can come to Vegas, rent your dream car or I bike love it. with yeah. air bagged, everything, That's you know, and, and have the full experience, man, and talk to some cool people. Um, 
But I, again, I don't think anything is done in a bubble. I got Bradshaw, Custom Choppers, who does all our maintenance and builds bikes. We shared the booth at Bike Fest for two years. We were neighbors um, at Bike Fest, and then we just came together. He's doing all of our service. So we, we got a really good camp out there. We got great people. Um, and if you want to see some ladies and some some get some coffee, we got our bikini or our, uh, I'm sorry, lingerie coffee which is now uh, Cowgirl Espresso, oh, no, but it's going to be boob, boobs and beans. Boobs uh, and beans. Yeah, now it's Cowgirl like, Espresso. Ah, but, uh, and I like it, that. The ladies just, are in lingerie. We have a, you just combine two things that Sean loves. Yeah. <laughs> we got a truck, a coffee truck, that uh, a truck that, you know, like a food truck, but it's for coffee right where they're building the Raiders Stadium. Um, my main man, my brother Milk, um, you know, Spelled with two C's, M I L C C. Good, good, strong brother, man. Uh, you know he went to Washington, came back with the concept. So I'm, I'm, I'm a humble supporter. <laughs> and so um, those are the brands, man. Poncho Dot Certified is my Instagram. Okay. Um, you can see some of the pictures and get some more info. And uh, appreciate you guys having me, man. It's been great, Lux. You know, what's your, what's Chumon's your... the man. I like oh, that. Oh, man. man. You're the man. <laughs> You're the man. Chumon <laughs> means medicine bag. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Poncho.certified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank uh, you for thank taking you. the time. Thank you guys Thanks for, for driving me, out. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, this was another great show. Poncho certified. All right, guys? Let's give him a hand, man. Another great show in the book. Brilliant. Brilliant, man. Outstanding. We are out of here.